There we go. <laughs> Technical difficulty there. What's up, Huddle Crew? Welcome to our podcast this week. We got some special guests with us. Uh, Jason Ramsey from California, I believe. And yes. with me, as always, Mr. Jose and Daniel, Daniel Gonzalez out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yo, yo. Guys, are uh, you what feeling up? better, Daniel? You back in I the I am end? feeling way better. <laughs> nice. So we just got back from Tice, and um, this is our second week back, actually. And Daniel came back with the old COVID. Yeah. So uh, the last podcast, he was hacking and coughing the whole time. Yeah, it was it was not good, but I'm all better now. Nice. We can't get that through the microphone and stuff, can we? we can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, think I think that's how safe. I got it. No, put we're on a mask, that. Jason. Have, that would be funny. I'm working on that right now. I try to figure out a way for that. <laughs> So Jason's um, a flooring installer, uh, runs a subcontracting company out of uh, out of California. And I want your quick take, Jason, on who you are, kind of what what niche you've fallen into in flooring, and then uh, a little you know a little bit about your background. But then uh, you know on our topic, the pitfalls of uh, luxury vinyl you know, give us the high level view and then we'll dig in. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sounds good. So Tylen flooring contractor out here in uh, beautiful Orange County, California, land of avocado toast and yoga pants, right? Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But I started in 93 as a carpet installer, evolved, uh, uh, went through a lot of trial and errors, ups and downs, uh, became a Tylen flooring contractor out here. Uh, eventually got my uh, moisture testing uh, for slabs certification and then uh, evolved into a uh, flooring inspector. And uh, out here I run about five employees and um, just dealing with the everyday in and out of this business. It's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talk a lot about the... Um the fun, the, the, the complications, the pitfalls of the industry itself. And so, you know, and how sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. Um, so you mentioned, um, a couple things as we were kind of getting to know each other before the podcast started. Uh, one of them being that, uh, let me mention two of them, but one of them being that you had a light bulb or a moment of like, Hey, I want to know more about this. And you really started digging into training and, and getting certified and things like that. What can you tell us a little bit about that? We're really big on certifications and training and improving yourself. Yeah. I, and I agree. So I was reading the manufacturer's uh, instructions one day and I was going through all of it and I was just kind of blown away at all the basically booby traps was what I called it for, for us and for us installers out there. I felt like it was just unbelievable the things that we had to conform to in order to really have that manufacturer's warranty and, and also provide that to the customer. So reading that, I just was like, I, I, I was almost scared. And, and so that started my, my journey into and really an obsession. I mean, NASCT and Ardex and, I just, if there was something out there that I could take, I mean, and a lot of it was during COVID as well. So I was taking lots of webinars and stuff, but then if there was a, a class somewhere that I could go and I could take something, I mean, I was doing it. I was really investing in me. Um, and then 
I started to to put my my employees through the uh, through through the same things. Gotcha. Yeah, that was the second thing was you have employee installers, uh, California yeah. with the AB five rules, uh, you know, really doubled down in a lot of ways and make it really tough, if not impossible for this 1099 thing. Uh, you have to be a legitimate, um, uh, a legitimate company to, you know, perform the labor, uh, the way that you do. Um, so I thought that was interesting. One of the things we promote big here as well is that subs, uh, I own a commercial floor covering company in, in Wichita, Kansas. So we do, we, we have about 70 to 80 subcontractors that we run and we have about yeah. 12 to 13 employee in-house, uh, benefited, you know, uh, health insurance kind of W2s, uh, W2s employee installer sometimes i go really deep in that to make sure <laughs> drives home with people <laughs> but um you know one of the things that we promote big time is if you're a sub you need to be hiring employees and not trying to 1099 out your labor at that point uh you know these guys should be on your payroll uh whatever benefits package you can afford to give them uh should be given to them and they, but they should be on your, on your, as a W2. Um, it sounds like that's pretty much a must in California. Yeah, that's, that's right. There's really no way around it. And it doesn't really even matter your structure. You can structure LLC, S Corp, DBA, whatever. And for instance, if I hire somebody that does flooring, uh, they are W2. You know, there's this thing called this ABC rule. IRS has it, California State has it. And to try to classify somebody as a 1099, it, it's, 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 it's virtually impossible. So now if they're a plumber, right, we can do that, right? Um, painter or something. Yeah, like because it, it boils down, and especially in California, to is it work that you could do or that you perform on your in your daily business? And wow. if so, then you cannot sub that portion out that should be done I'm gonna have to do in house that now that doesn't mean that flooring yeah it doesn't mean that flooring contractors can't sub to you it just means that then your employees or your your workers must be w2 uh employees yeah and the regulation what that really comes down to um it's funny it's it's insurance companies right it's workers comp companies yeah. when they're doing the audits um, and that's because, you know, the, the, the state franchise board or the tax, the tax board or the EDD employee development department, they're not throwing darts and just going around and auditing people. The way they find out is, is if somebody reports, um, reports that business, but, um, it's really the workers comp and they're making all the money right on the premiums and, and, and yeah, that's what they want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's exactly what it is. And it seems like. Oh, out of all the agencies and all the bureaucracy, everyone thinks that I have to, all the hoops I have to jump through. It's the insurance company that I have to really <laughs> comply with, which is yeah, they're the ones that are going to give you your yearly audit and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we're pay go. So it, it, it you know, it's pay as, as you go, the, the workers comp and they see all that. They, they still audit. You know, yeah. And, and look for it. But yeah, so that's, 
that's how it is out here. And there's still a lot of businesses, I see them all the time, that are skirting that system. And, you know, I can go onto the Contractor State License Board and I can look at their license. That license on there tells us so much more information. Um, and it tells us if they have workers' comp or not. So let's say I'm doing an inspection and I do a deep dive on the company. And I'm like, look, you guys, you guys, have, you know, four guys, five guys here doing this job or whatnot. And you're exempt from workers' comp. So... I mean, I, I'm not the workers' comp police, but my point is, you know, there's a lot of people not playing by the rules. Yeah, mind your piece. That's nationwide, right? That's not just California. Yeah. But it looks like California has a better handle on it than the rest of the U.S. does. You just you just taught me that insurance companies have way more pool than they think they do for that. <clears throat> they know. Well, they, they don't. They don't sponsor all the go every golf tournament in the world yeah. because they're not making money <laughs> that yeah, the, you know the, yeah. the, the, the california what they did with their ab5 is really make it just that much more compl uh, complicated to then sub out to a you know the a third tier sub first tier is typically uh first and second tier so the general subs to me and i can sub mine mm -hmm. as long as they have their the COIs, the certificate right. of insurance, and then they name you, and they can do all that, then you're good when you come to that audit. Yeah, it's just a matter of making sure that you are, um, you know, that A, you have all that, but, you know, that's where it kind of gets rid of the third, fourth, fifth tier, where everybody's exempt on a job yeah. from work comp, and nobody right. in it opens up that, that risk factor. So, well, that's a quick lesson, everybody on insurance. <laughs> now on to flooring. Um, yeah. Right. We could have been, uh, you know, could have been a whole topic on that. Yeah. Yeah. What are the things we're, we're going to have to talk about that one, one time, just the whole episode. Yeah. yeah I was going to say one that's thing he mentioned earlier was all the, the complicated stuff about the industry and, and, uh, that's one of them, but, um, yeah, so you got into flooring. You probably got snagged like the rest of us and stayed in. Uh, Jose and Daniel both have the same same kind of you get sucked story. In, man. I mean, you know, that's right. You choose flooring. It, flooring chose yeah. me, right? It sucks in and doesn't let you out. Doesn't let you out. Doesn't so today, you. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Jason. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, it, when it's good, it's good, but when it's bad, it can be bad. <laughs> Amen. Well, and kudos to you for getting uh, inspector uh, certification as well, because that's one of the things that we're, we think, um, you know, I, I personally haven't done it. And I think that it would be a good thing, not only for myself, but for, you know, installers out there to know what the inspectors hey. are going to be looking for. Uh, we've yeah. kind of talked about that in previous episodes as well, but um, so yeah. kudos on that. Yeah, it strengthens your whole business because you're able to see the other side of it and then you're able to then um, curtail any of those things that you may be doing in your business, right? That's really what I did that, why I started that for. And then it, it just blossomed into this whole other world and this whole other thing. But but that's, that's why I did that because you think you know stuff as an installer and you think you can run your top cutter and you think you can do your trial, you think you can do all this stuff. Reality is, it, it's 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 mind uh, mind blowing, and I suggest any of you guys to to, to pursue that. At least I guess I better use that, that, uh, that better use that rental one that I got. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they, there's a lot of good ones out there. NASCT has one, and there's a few. There's a few other ones. Um, some can be a little scammy and stuff, but um, I, I highly recommend. The NASCT is one that uh, I believe. Yeah. You know, both of these guys. What's up, Roland? Um, both of these guys work with the NASCT from a, uh, a training perspective and curriculum and all that kind of stuff. So great organization there with Sonny and Paul. That's right. Um, yeah. So the unforeseen pitfalls, a luxury vinyl. Um, yes. You know what? Good point there, Daniel. I want to uh, bring up, we're going to be at the summit coming up in uh, Dalton, Georgia. Like two weeks, right? In a couple of weeks. Oh, so uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So if you can make it out to Dalton and um, it's at the Dalton Convention Center, NASCT is putting that on in uh, in unison with Unite, which is uh, Robert Varden, I believe, and and his group. And uh, it's a great opportunity for installers to come out, meet other other crews, yeah. work on best practices. One of the things I I I plead with our installer uh, audience for is the a lot of companies we go and we meet with other companies at fuse Alliance or Starnet or, uh, FCICA. And what we're there for is to absorb best practices from other companies and then see if we can go back to our office and apply those. That's what these things are for, for the installers to go get to know other installers, find out best practices. You just learned from Jason. And what we've talked about multiple times is, getting your inspector's license. It, a lot of times it's a partial online, partial in person. There's multiple different ways you can go about it, but uh, being trained, all these things we promote on the huddle here, you know, getting out and meeting other installers, let's stop this siloing each other away and get out, meet each other, understand what Jason's doing great in, um, in, California, what Jose and, and Daniel are doing great in Michigan, what we may be doing right down here in Wichita, what other people are doing right in South Carolina, and then try to take those business best practices back in your installation business. So that the come, come see us at the summit. We'll be exhibiting there. Go Carrera will and uh, come see us. So cool. on to the topic, which is, uh, you know, probably the isn't it? Didn't they say Daniel and, and Jose? Did you guys catch on the last at Tice? It's it's still the fastest growing. Uh, they thought yeah. LV, LVT would uh, cool off, and it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's cool not. Off. Everyone is almost going like. There's a lot of talk with the sales guys about going back to laminate, but vinyl is not going anywhere anytime soon. Because I mean, you were at the show. The amount of people there that were exhibiting vinyl was ridiculous yes well, I, think, I think it's the industry I think too, it's right? like it's residential or commercial so in the commercial world i don't see any type of resilient going anywhere anytime soon um no you're right yeah it's, yeah it's so move it moving easy to maintain yeah no wax you know there's a lot of great benefits but today's topic's about pitfalls so what kind of pitfalls are we seeing? Do we know about in the residential? Let's kick it off in the residential world. Uh, a lot of that's going to be your SPCs, your your solid cores, made of different things. What kind of things have you guys ran across that we would be valuable to the audience to understand that? Like, watch out for this drop lock. 
drop lock. <laughs> I mean, we I can talk to that. We can ask the inspector, but I'm pretty yeah. sure drop lock's a, a big deal. And, and, you know, before he gives a, before he gives his two cents into that, because I know it's going to be a lot smarter than mine. Uh, you know, a, a lot <laughs> of the issues that we're having, it, it might not even be the product, right? The majority of the issues is the installer error of it. It's just the the margin for error is just so slim on that drop lock that it's got to be absolutely perfect. And, you know, you, you can't have someone who's used to getting paid by the square foot go in there, try to bang out a job like they're doing a regular laminate project, walk away, everything looks good. You know, you get a phone call a week later and everything's thumbnailing uh, because it wasn't laid and set in perfect before they either pounded it down too hard or pressed it or rolled it, however they want to uh, engage that locking system. Um, so so what's the problem, guys? What, 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 what are the problems we are seeing like what what are the symptoms of the the issue of the install so um and, and you guys are right about the, the drop lock there's angle lock. There, there's a lot of different locking mechanisms and i think sometimes guys don't understand they they, they blanket approach these products and what does that come back to right we're not reading we're not reading the instructions i mean you got qr codes that are on youtube they're in spanish they're in english they're in french in Italian, I see. So there's really no excuse to understand what what locking mechanism is on the product that you're installing. But guys just don't. And then there's no communication from the head installer, foreman, owner, whatever. But let's rewind that. Let's 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 talk about let's talk about the first. So this this stuff is marketed so well, right? Your, your brother's doing it, the designer, the sister, the cousin, it's everywhere. You're on Facebook. It's all over the place. Everybody's doing it. It's the best thing since sliced bread. But that, <laughs> and then you go into these showrooms, right? These people go to these showrooms. They're looking at, oh, coconut almond and butter wheat. And, oh, this one looks great with my, my, my paint and decor or whatnot. But the reality, <laughs> what, what's really needs to be discussed is who's installing it how they're installing it, are they qualified or certified? Um, but salespeople don't want to touch upon that. Why? Well, there there's multiple reasons why, it, it, just my uh, opinion here, but one of them being that the, the percentage of installers that are certified or um, have taken some level of training has fallen off a cliff in the last 10, 15 years. So it's a shortage of these certified and highly trained installers, uh, first off. And secondly, it's like, I, I did a talk at, at Tice about this. Like they're, they're scared to promote their installer as uh, for fear of losing out or getting gone around. Uh, I noticed that a bit at the show uh, I promote like sell yourself, sell your company based on the quality of your installer group. And so anyway, that's my two cents on that. So a lot of these showrooms, um, they're, they don't have in-house installation. Okay. So once they make a sale, um, that customer is done. You're on and on, right. And, and then, then everything falls into whose lap, the installer's lap, right. Um, and so this is where we're seeing the big problem. So salespeople, they may not necessarily be taking product knowledge classes. They may have worked at a grocery store a month before, and now they're in this environment where they're selling floors 
and they really don't know about all the products and how it has to be installed. So what? So the biggest the biggest pitfall that I see is is, is and as you guys probably know, is is going to be floor prep. I think we've had about 15 different comments already. (laughs) I mean, just this one right here from Chad, prepping the homeowner for what true prepping is, right? Yeah. yeah. Jimmy saying that flatness is the big issue. And then Ron was just like floor prep, like right out the bat. And that's that's one of the big issues. So salespeople don't want to touch upon that, right? Either they don't even know, they don't care, or they don't want to scare that person off, right? Um, I think they're trained to avoid that conversation um, altogether because it be. could essentially scare a client away. Could be. A lot of them don't know the difference between an SPC, LVP. Well, they don't know the lamb and they don't know what they're even selling. They don't well, even know. No well, idea. like you said, this one looks good in my house, so that's the one that I want. <laughs> yeah, butter toast. This is going to be great. <laughs> but the reality is, the reality is these products, they need to be almost cat you need countertop flatness so you know we go back to the 316s and 10 we all we all understand that but you think homeowners they, they, they can't process this astm f710 stuff and manufacturers guidelines and 316s and 10 they don't even know an inch to a millimeter they don't know they don't know just to make it look nice but then what happens is 12 16 18 14 22 months later when there's deflection right and you've got increased joints and they're starting to they're starting to have ledging and then they're starting to break and come up. They're hitting their toe, their socks. It's a whole thing. It just, it's downhill from there, right? All because of the guy that came in at 15,000 who included um, grinding, priming, and self-leveling everything to the other guy that comes in who doesn't have that and he's just going to try and do a spot patch or something. Doesn't even come in with a 10-foot level or screen. Um and it's going to do the job for 8000 So you got X amount versus this amount, and most customers are price-driven. I get it. I get it. But this is why we have to try to educate people, and this is my mission, is to try to educate homeowners. They still don't want to see. So when I go into a lot of these inspections and, and it's, it's, it's totally ruined, people, their, their eyes are wide open. They're listening. They want to learn, right? But hindsight's twenty twenty. So when I go in and I do a, an estimate for somebody and I'm 15,000 and, and the other person's 8,000, well, that's a big difference. And there's a reason, right? The reason is these products need to be super flat. The SLUs are expensive. Primers are expensive. Getting it right is expensive. Having your gauge rakes and spike rollers and getting everything done right, there's so much more to it than just mixing up some WebCrete 95 and throwing that down and thinking you're just going to patch your way through this job. No, you're going to make it worse because what you thought was a high spot could actually be a low spot. So you're grinding it and you're making a bigger low spot. You're making it worse and you don't have the right um, tools to tell you what's really going on with that substrate or subfloor. So getting it flat is the number one issue that I'm seeing um, in this industry with these products. Now, laminates for the most part and then uh, uh, wood floors we still need that flatness right we still need that 316 some we can get you know an eighth here and there but with the laminates but we still need that flatness so it really doesn't matter what product you're putting down this notion that this luxury vinyl products are so inexpensive and they're waterproof and all this stuff and you don't need oh all my goodness. couldn't be couldn't be farther from the truth right yeah the waterproof <laughs> thing drives me nuts but it drives me crazy too I, I got to say, up, like, it's been raining here for 48 hours. 
all my extra samples, I'm going to build a raft, my man, with this LVP. And we're going to see how waterproof <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the whole waterproof, uh, you mentioned earlier, one of the, the bait and switches is uh, about waterproofing, it being waterproof, for example, is just how well they market this stuff. It is, it is mind-blowing how good of a job they've done at marketing this waterproof scenario. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you spill a cup of water in a well-installed, uh, <laughs> you know, floor in the middle, away from the edges that are likely not siliconed or anything like that, okay, it could be waterproof in that zone. Uh, but it, if you're on slab, it does nothing for high, for moisture mitigation or moisture coming up from the bottom. And it also does nothing if you're going to flood a room and it goes around to the edges. It, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's waterproof in a, a cup size, like the, you know, this so, big of a square foot in the middle of the, of a well-installed floor. Uh, but there's a lot of pitfalls with that. So anyway, yeah, there's an AS, there's an ASTM standard, um, for the product. And basically I think it starts at, tw they have to be, uh, up to 24 hours and then they measure the, the, the swelling of the XP pad, right? The back, the, the, your underlayment pad that's attached. Yep. And, and or the product. So I think it's like 2 to 3% or 5%. So that, there is a standard there that they can technically say that and they have to, has to be done, um, has to, within 24, you have to pass 24 hours. And then- Right, and we keep on a, talking about ASTM standards, right? And I think that's one of the misconceptions is that just since we're installers, we automatically should know all these things, but there's <laughs> plenty of installers that don't. And I think that's one of the big hiccups is you have professional installers doing it, but they may not be as professional as you think, right? Just because you do it every day doesn't mean that you're doing it right. And well, why are you doing it that way? Yeah. And, and ASTM, you know, they have these things outlined, like you mentioned F710 earlier, and there's probably yeah. guys listening right now or ladies that don't know what F710 is. So yeah. if you don't, definitely go look it up i mean it's a document that you have to pay for but it's we should probably do a evil. podcast on astm f710 100 yeah i'm just, on that committee uh fo6 we, is the committee we, we for just that. joined we just joined as well oh cool good 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 for you guys they raised the price too so fun, fun <laughs> that, right? well we but, joined um, like two months ago maybe Oh, okay. So, well, anyways, it's, it's, that's great. It gives you voting rights and there's, there's so much knowledge out there understanding why you're doing things, right? Why, why are we getting these, this substrate into, you know, 316 from 10? Why are we putting vapor retarders, vapor barriers? And we can have a discussion on that someday too, if you want the difference of, of vapor retarders and barriers and, yeah. and using that terminology yeah, properly, right? So, but, so some of the, I just want to bring up something. Some of the uh, items that we're talking about, the pitfalls, really the, they display themselves in what you were talking about earlier. We got some deflection uh, comments and some of the comments, but the, um, you know, delamination, the things that happen because the sock grabbers and the toe cutters and the things of, the, of this, that is the, the symptom from not properly preparing, not proper installation, proper acclimation, proper storage, uh, yeah. proper storage and acclimation, and that's right. Storage and acclimation things. too different. Correct. What are you? What yes. are you talking about? 
They don't. It doesn't need acclimation. It says right on the box. It doesn't need <sighs> acclimation. Ready for? I got a good story for you from one I did last <laughs> week on that one. It's, it's but yeah, but yeah. All those people who have uh, their commercial material stored outside in a Connex in 75 degree weather, it's like 120 in there. You're really compromising that material. So, and probably one of the difficult, most difficult things to do because every job is unique in and of itself, and the challenges and uh, you know areas to put the material and time constraints and on and on and on and trying to conform to everything. It's 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 nearly impossible. They make it so impossible for these sellers, as you guys know. And I know you guys have climate controlled storage places, which is fantastic, and you're able to document and show all that stuff. I mean, that's that's. That's, that's what you got to do because it's just not practical to be able to on some of the Yeah, the best problems. we can do is uh, we have an acclimation zone and we try to yeah. get it as close as possible because frankly, um, just as you were mentioning, there's just, there's job site access issues and I'm in commercial. So in that world, there's job site access issues, storage issues, on-time deliveries written into your contract where it's like, on time delivery, but it's got to acclimate for 24 or 48 hours. Well, sorry, like this has to happen. Um, yeah. And, and there's all these schedule constraints and all those stuff and, and preferred does a lot of commercial um, as well, but I, uh, they also do some residential. I only do commercial except for once in a great while, some friends or architects, <laughs> uh, their houses will do, but we don't do retail residential but um anyway long story short it's all those constraints that force us into these boxes of trying to make a product work and sometimes pushing the limits of what acclimation means yeah that's that's right i just inspected one where they did it in august uh, it was schools and it was lvp and it's all the products outside is 90 degrees right you can imagine Go and install it, turn on the ACs and everything. Guess what happens? Yep. Yeah. Man. Get gaps. Yeah. Season, and right. So yeah, night conditions and, and all that stuff uh, comes into play as well. So yeah, Jason, when, uh, when, when I ahead. went to the NAFCT, I went to one of the seminars. I mean, this was probably 2018 or something. Uh, Brent Fike from Ropey actually had a presentation on just dimensional stability and how much. Mm the plank can actually grow and then you do that over you know there some of these companies are saying that there's no limit to you don't you don't need any transitions anywhere there's no limit anymore right but the science behind how much it can grow and how much is actually acceptable is ridiculous like man how can it grow that much and i mean still be considered stable and they are yeah that's that that's yeah. where knowing all this stuff comes into play right yeah, they have and they have memory. So there's like a, something called an, like an annealing process. So when it's when they're made, they're heat they're heated at a certain temperature and size. And so they go back to that size, right? And so this was this one I measured. I, I did my own my own redneck test, and I, I demonstrated how just in my truck it grew. This product was like 35 and 15 sixteenths. It was like a nominal 36, but just in my truck for 30 minutes it grew to 36 inches. And then I took it out and put it into uh, a project that was on into this concrete substrate. And it went back down to 35 and 15, 16, so in a matter of a few minutes, right? So just by that. And, and then when I inspected the, these schools, four different schools, every plank was 35 and 15, 16. 
every flank. And there's the, everything was gapped. Um, and the gaps were like 30, a 32nd and the 16th. But regardless, every plank, every plank. I mean, I measure ran, I measure so many freaking planks, I got I'm done with this. That, that, enough. You guys are gonna get the point. So, but anyway, so with that, it's definitely so important to acclimate. Now I'll go do I'll measure residentials where the people have the attic stock sitting outside for two years in all kinds of weather, and they're perfect. Okay, so <laughs> you know, there, there you go, right? Um, but so to, to turn back, so the first thing that that the first pitfall is that flatness and the importance of um, really educating that buyer, that that consumer, um, how how important it is to to really get that right and to spend the money on that. Everything is prep. You prep your walls, you go to paint your car, you clean your dishes, you prep, right? You're not just throwing dirty dishes into the dishwasher. You're gonna clean them up, you're gonna prep those things. Oh, so prep, prep, prep. And you, why why in all, all these other industries, everything else, prep is is okay. But in the flooring industry, people don't want to pay prep. And that's what it comes down to. For some single reason, um, people don't want to pay for prep. And and I see it all the time. Guys are always telling me they don't want to pay, Jason. They don't want to pay. Well, you know, why'd you do the job then? You know, I mean, that's another another thing, right? Guys are still doing the projects, right? And they know better. And so, um, but so prep is is what I find right now with these products in residentials, the number one thing. And then I would say second um, right now would be um, uh, some type of moisture management system one way or, or the other, right? Um, and starting by reading those manufacturers guidelines are gonna give most installers the the, the direction of where to go with that. Um, and yeah, then we can get into expansion. Kendall, Kendall, you know, had a comment up here saying that there was an entire upper level that they had to replace and the manufacturer didn't require of a vapor barrier underneath it and then after this failure they they retracted said all right we're going to change the spec and then now they require it but the fact of the matter is is that it's just like everything else right it's almost it's almost like a trial and error if they don't catch it at the factory they're going to catch it in the field somewhere and at least this this manufacturer owned up and said yep it's our fault let's uh let's figure this out and change our actual spec yeah, I, I want to bring something up. So we we have the installer side, um, you know, floor prep, making sure we properly um, communicate to the end user, whoever that may be, the reasons why we need to do floor prep. And if you can use the ASTM standards or the manufacturer's recommendations in your favor, that's what I always do. I'm like, I would love to just come in and blow and go and knock this thing out. But you have, you know, quarter inch dips all the way down your hallway. Your LVT is going to look like hammered poop when it's completed. <laughs> A, B, I can't control gappage or anything on the install as it's going because when it goes down, it takes more room and you, yeah. you, you have issues, uh, particularly if it's like a VCT or something uh let alone lvt but the point uh i was getting to is we also have some manufacturing things we need to talk about like regions of manufacturing and things of this that we need to be cognizant of as installers and where we know that there are clear regions of the world where product come from that will give you a higher likelihood of issue 
Um, do you and guys? Why is that? Why is it the region? Do you think? Or is it's it mainly the raw materials that they use to make their vacuum? That's systems? right. It's where they source. It's where they source the uh, the uh, the chemicals and the products from because they could be sourcing from three, two, three, four different places, and and, and manufacturing in, in in one region, and we don't know what goes in that secret sauce per se. Right? We don't know. We can't police all that. You just don't know how the quality of those things. So yeah. Right. And that's where the manufacturers come in, right? Because they, they should be testing every batch that comes in to make sure that it's supposed to be exactly what they need. Yeah. One of my favorite manufacturers, which I, I'm not going to mention manufacturers names, yeah, but one of my favorite manufacturers does a really good job of visiting the actual plants. Yeah, that's right. Talking with the, actual people on the on the floor making the product um and does a really good job of vetting out and making sure that the plant is producing something he can stand his brand can stand behind absolutely and i think that's really important that's like is that. to make sure you're dealing with manufacturers who care enough yeah. about their product that they they know where it's sourced they understand where the raw materials are coming from this is the complication of being an installer I, I wish it wasn't this way either, guys. I wish we didn't have to be chemists, concrete experts, you know, raw material experts and, uh, you know, understand yeah. how the product's actually made. But it to put it, it doesn't on. change the fact that we need to be just because we don't think it should be that way. It doesn't change the fact that that's how it is right now. That's the only way you can mitigate your risk. Yeah. And like Chad said right here, I mean, we, we talk about it all the time, you know, reading the bucket of adhesive and that's pretty much what he's saying. You make sure you're reading it. It doesn't matter if you've installed it a thousand times on that next one. It could, the instructions could have changed. I have a yeah, carpet tile situation with this, with this exact thing where the backing system changed, the installation instructions changed, a lot changed. And all of a sudden we had 2,000 yards that had to be replaced, and it was not a cheap thing. The manufacturer did come to the table on it, but it was it was a major problem. And so you, I have another instance where we were putting an underlayment under LVT, and one the the instructions in the package. This is complicated a little bit. Um, puts us at another disadvantage, but the instructions in the package uh, change. So I, I also encourage you to check the online stuff because that's what we did. That's Verified right. with the manufacturer which way it was uh, to be uh, done. And when they had an issue and the GC tried to point and say, well, the install instructions say film down. And we were like, well, that's outdated they can't recall 20,000 rolls or 200,000 rolls and change this piece of paper they keep their online stuff up to date that's right so that's another point to to make sure as an installer you're kind of think read the packaging but also i encourage everybody google is your friend go find yes. the install instructions online and just double check that's right those so are the, those are always GTA. up to date yeah, that that saved our rear end on this project. Literally, the fact that we installed it correctly on the most updated installation instructions and not the way that the pamphlet in the material said to do it. Right, and I, yeah, I think that's one of the 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 only downside I can see of all the networking and stuff that we do is that you become known by some of these people right because i've called some of these tech reps and then they're like oh i trust you and it's like 
I need an answer. <laughs> like, come on now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what do you? Well, what we do have, you think? I think I want to be covered. <laughs> we had one where the primer said, um, "Wait four hours uh, before installing the floor," but online it says, uh, "Wait four hours or uh, uh, ambient conditions depending or something like that." Right. So I'm not in. Delaware or New York or Florida, right? Southern California, pretty nice weather. And so it was gold after two hours. We were good. We were good to go. Uh, I had my hygrometer. I tested it. Everything was fine. And she had made a big thing because I had, the bucket said four hours. Well, these, the, the bucket was like 11 months old. They had updated, or such as like you said. And that was that, that saved me. That yeah. So me. knowing, knowing those things, um, it doesn't take a lot of time. Take, just take a few minutes of your time and verify that your install instructions are correct. It could save you. And then, you know, yeah. kind of understanding, I think stores need to be cognizant of this more so than the installers of where, well, where yes. the products are I, that they're, and what the products are that they're selling. But. So I tell stores, listen, when, when they come to pick the material up from your, from your shop or whatever, Print it out, or whoever's buying it, print out the installation instructions, supply it on the invoice, on an email, whatever. Give it to the guys picking it up, because typically guys are picking it up the day of install. They're not acclimating, right? But regardless, whenever they pick it up, hand them that so they have it. And at least you've done that, right? You've at least mm -hmm. given them the opportunity to read those installations, and that will really um, help with claims. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, it's one of the things we push hopefully. at Go Carrera a lot is the, the the dynamic work order part of that is you can add it at any point and make sure that that's brought to their attention so that the installer knows the most updated installation instructions. And and giving that to the install, the installer needs to know days, if not more time, what they're working with and be able to read that stuff. Another problem is there's so many so many things coming at the installer that they have to deal with and think about. You can't just do the job anymore. You have 82 things going on and you try to micromanage all of that. And it can be difficult. And then the installer is expected to do all these things. It's easy to sit back and just say, oh, you didn't do this. You didn't read this. Look, it says over here, 116th by 116th by 116th. You used 116th by 116th by 316th or whatever the heck, right? I mean... It can be so much. It's easy for somebody that's not in that world, really, that's down in there getting her hands dirty, doing it to sit back. And get her done. Get her done. Get her done. Get her right. done. Get you her know, done. Got that timelines. Timelines. So, so many armchair quarterbacks out there and all these technical dudes and people. I get it. But you know what? Put yourself in these guys' shoes and women's shoes. It's not easy. They have a lot to think about, and it's all in their lap. The people make the sale, whatever it is. That chain down and everything falls into that authority to get 82 things right. You know, and it just takes why, I think which that's is the, why one of the, it's important. Yeah, and Go I ahead, think that's Daniel. one of the good things like um that's going on right now because you see a lot of the texts that are coming in from the installation world and uh, some of these prerequisites. Yeah, some of these certifications that I go to, some of the reps are like, All right, we're talking about this right now, but in reality, we all know that job sites aren't gonna be ran like this. And they actually go through different things. Like if the job site was like this, this is what I do and stuff like that. So at, at least we have that, that we can kind of look forward to if, if yeah, it keeps that on trending that way. 
So one thing we're finding as well with these residential floating products, these SPCs, LVPs, I don't know, we see that a lot of the problems are about that six millimeter and below. So if you're up over that six millimeter product, you know, they have that dimensional layer to it, that stability layer that, that they're being made with. In order to make a, a less expensive product or cheaper, you omit that layer, right? And so now you're down with a product that's five, 5.5 millimeters. And this is where I see a lot of failures, a lot of with, with products, right? From temperatures, you know, sunlight. And, and to be clear, this is in residential on your click flooring. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. Not, I'm not talking about commercial. I mean, flooring. even commercially, yeah. we, we're seeing more and more even on the specs where they have click flooring going in commercial spaces. Which yeah. We try to yeah. lead them away from I, that right away. Absolutely. Smartest thing you can do. Um, you just, you know, we never lost money on a job we didn't do. Yeah. Dang, I've heard that somewhere. Like Robin 200,000 said. square foot project. They floated the commercial thing. Are you kidding me? So, you know, yeah, and Rollins says, you know, they, they sell it as it's so easy to install, anyone can do it. And that's just when we talk about the Geico, floor prep. The Geico commercial? <laughs> when, when we talk about floor prep, right? It, it's just, yeah. I mean, maybe the, the product could be that easy to install, but we always talk about your base. Where are you starting from? You're starting from that prep, right? If you don't do that prep right, you're already putting yourself far behind where you need to be. And yeah, this, yeah. this goes on, this is for residential and commercial. That's right. And the manufacturers are, are advertising everything as the DIY, which kind of takes away from our credibility um, as, as professional installers. Well, it doesn't help like, that oh, the well, box stores are, are are saying free install. We talked about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. this free installation <laughs> gimmick doesn't help our cause at all. It devalues what the installer does. And um, I don't, look, no one's, actually believes it but somehow it does work for bot someone believes it I, I, uh, someone I, believes it i can't i can't hardly <laughs> believe they actually think the guy's there working for free like he's it's built into the price uh but yeah. at the end of the day the 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 uh optics of it is not good for our industry in my opinion but um i don't want any of the box stores to put a head out on me or anything i just uh wish that they would i, I mean maybe approach it a little bit different technically we'd you love know. their marketing department to come on here and tell us why they do it right yeah yeah come on uh i won't name any <laughs> no, everybody likes stories happening here so i i think we've spent like over a half hour on just the residential aspect. So commercially, um, I think over the years, one of the, the biggest things that we've seen is the adhesive that goes underneath. And we actually switched from pressure sensitive to um, essentially semi-wet setting everything to get that actual bond going because you talk, we talked about raw materials and everything that goes into the product. And then you just see plasticizer migration right and evaporation yeah. and and these things they're they're gonna shrink eventually so what what can you do to mitigate that it's that's what we found our solution was was as soon as we started doing this it was less complaints we go to these jobs years later everything's still together so i mean it's kind of um cheap insurance right you're still using the same kind of the same products you're just using them in a in a slightly different way
Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good point. I also think that, you know, concrete, you know, commercial brings in just mostly concrete and brings in moisture testing and understanding the moisture parameters and understanding that even the best moisture test can be off by about three, two to 3% in one direction or the other, when you're pushing these limits, uh, having, having some security on your, your, either recommendation of a full mitigation system or a true wet set adhesive, uh, you know, like a modified siling kind of adhesive, or at the very least educating the people that this is the parameter. Remember, this could be off two to 3%. All of them say that all of the, uh, the moisture testing. So moisture comes into a big, in a big way in commercial, uh, because we don't have crawl spaces and stuff. A lot of the slabs are slab on grade. Who knows if it's a 50 year old slab, if there's any, any, there's likely, even if it did have a, uh, vapor barrier under the slab, it's very likely that it's completely degraded to nothing. And so you have to take measures to protect both you and your client. It's your client that's going to have to deal with this or should get a 10 to 15 year floor and, so you have that responsibility to, uh, you know, and I'm talking more from the company salespeople perspective uh, to make sure that you're you're educating the client in a way that they understand that, hey, we, we're going to do moisture tests. If it's pushing the limit at all, we're going to we're going to need to do something about it. That's that's right. And I think we we have to really emphasize time of install um, moisture testing. And what does that mean? Right. So you can. You can do a calcium chloride or you can do a 2170 and C2 days before, weeks, whatever. That's just that that time gives you just you know, a little snapshot, like taking blood pressure on somebody, right? That doesn't tell you everything. It just tells you that aspect, RH in the slab, in that spot, RH in that spot, right? Um, so what we're finding is, is a bigger issue is going to be atmospheric conditions, right? Your, 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 um, your dew point and your ionic dew point, and what does that mean, right? So another big words, but let's simplify it. So the time of install, you want to test that top gradient layer right, of the slab, right? You want to test that moisture content because that's what we're adhering to. And that's most important. We want that bond there. So at time of install, it's very important to put whatever uh, uh, meter that you're using down. And if that meter doesn't have a hygrometer built in, you want to have that hygrometer. So it's going to tell you your ambient conditions, specifically that dew point. And then you want to have that infrared uh, thermometer and you want to test the surface temperature right of the substrate to see are we within that 10 degrees fahrenheit are we above that right you want your surface temperature 10 degrees above uh fahrenheit above the dew point so if your dew point 60 you want that surface temperature to at least be 70. okay then we can really ensure that we're taking knowledge yeah, this is, well, these are going to be new standards that you're going to start seeing soon uh, as an ASTM, but also you're going to see manufacturers incorporating this more and more. We already are in their in their guidelines, especially coatings, adhesive manufacturers, things like that. 
Um, so you'll look at there's a there's a few manufacturers. They want five degrees. Usually it's five degrees Celsius, ten degrees Fahrenheit. But what's most important is time of install and documenting that using geotag, using photos, um, because sometimes we can have a dew point um, and you can't always see that moisture on the surface. You're going to have a bond failure. So yeah, that's awesome that you bring that up. I I think um, even I just learned a, a few little tidbits there. So good to know. Um, we're gonna have yeah. to start wrapping things up. I want to go around and say yeah. uh, best approach for an installer, uh, both residential and commercial. Just best approach as they come in, they're mm -hmm. doing an LVP job. Uh, you know, twenty seconds best approach thought process wise uh when they step onto a job site or they accept a job mm -hmm. let's I was, let's start with you thought, jason okay yeah uh first of all read the manufacturer's guidelines uh secondly uh read the manufacturer's guidelines okay that's, that's what i'm gonna start with and, and and really knowing your products getting your floor prep proper and then documenting your your moisture Awesome. How about Ab you, Daniel? Yeah, absolutely. I any certification you go to, they always end with read manufacturers specific unless you know manufacturer specifications oversee anything that we say here, right? So definitely check out the manufacturer's recommendations and just know that uh, moisture vapor is always come up up through the earth, regardless of what you think. So moisture is going to be an issue anywhere you go, residentially, commercially. So always keep that in the back of your mind. Jose. Sounds, uh, it's, it sounds like that's pretty universal. So I'm just gonna shift gears and make a little bit of a joke here. Um, the Maybe we should just change it to the same way that doctors do it, right? Instead of going through all this rigmarole of learning science and, and, and the science and nature of everything, we should just call it flooring installation practice. That way uh, <laughs> people can come after us for anything. Uh, that's, that's really all I have you gotta to get that mouth. You gotta get that right. You gotta get that mouth flooring uh, insurance. <laughs> then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say uh, project conditions. Uh, understand how those after you've done what the gentlemen have mentioned here. Uh, make sure you understand the environment and and what you're being asked to do, and that not to be fearful of pushing back on whether or not you should be installing on that given day or in those given conditions um <clears throat> being being firm in your belief of what you've just read and and having the um courage to tell the superintendent or the job foreman or whoever's on your deal yeah the the site conditions are not up to par i've just called the office and let them know but i can't install without the condition not not and provide warranty without the conditions uh that then it puts it back on the store which in our case we would write a letter stating all the potential we have a standard letter tells them everything that can happen if they don't do something about the site conditions and very very rarely do they say go ahead but then sometimes when they do that letter is prepared and they're signing off um this is not a simple sign off like you accept that there's no warranty. This thing has to be um, articulated in a way that you tell them not only what the potential problems are, yeah. but what causes the, you have to lay it out in, 
in a total way before that would hold up in court. So if you are going to take that method or take that route, uh, make sure that I would consult with an attorney to make sure that you're uh, preparing a document correctly. So, I mean, that, we are the professionals, right? And that's what it what it boils down to. If you are that professional, that's what the judge, know all this. That's what the, that's what the judge would say. All right, Huddle Crew. Jason, thanks for joining us today, dude. It was a great conversation. Thanks, I hope sir. you had fun. Um, Good guys, stuff. thanks again. Yeah. As usual, it was a great podcast with you two. And uh, we look forward to having Jason on again in the future. Uh, Let's do it. Pass the word around. Get some people. Uh, the more viewership we get, the more we can promote uh, proper installation techniques. So if you like the uh, content, even if you don't, like Daniel likes to say, <laughs> give us a thumbs down, but give us a thumbs up, comment, tell us what we uh, are doing great. Tell us what, where you, uh, what, what, um, you know, topics you'd like us to cover that kind of thing. And, and uh, we'll if you, if you don't like it, it come on and talk to us. Tell us uh, <laughs> what we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah. yeah, good, yeah. yeah. good stuff, guys. Good stuff, you guys. Keep it up, man. This is what we got to do. One love. One love in the community. Spread and share the love. Awesome. Well, thank you guys, and we'll see you next Tuesday, and we are out.